Hello, Catherine here, and welcome back to Should I Be Worried? A series where I talk about my fears and then analyze whether I should actually be worried about them. And I've done a couple episodes so far, and honestly, I feel like I've stuck too close to a script that I made for both of them, and I just need to be a little bit more loose, a little bit more free. I need to be a little bit more off the cuff, and hopefully that will just make this seem a little bit more natural, because I think I missed that on the last, on the first two episodes I'm doing. So there may be a few more uhs and a few more awkward like pauses, but I feel as though that makes it a little bit more genuine and feels a little bit more real. So again, I'm just kind of getting my my feet wet when it comes to podcasting and and if obviously if this doesn't work out, let me know. You can reach out on Twitter, or email or anywhere that you can find me and let me know how what kind of um what kind of format you like. If you like it a little bit more rigid or if you like it a little bit more conversational. So either way, thank you for listening again and let's dive into today's episode. Okay, first, this is not a fear, shockingly, that I have. I am, I think you can tell, I mean, I have a series called Should I Be Worried? I feel as though you can probably tell that I'm a bit of an er worrier, a pretty anxious person. But for whatever reason, this does not scare me. I actually love it. And it is flying um, in an airplane, to be more precise. I have loved flying since I took my first flight. It was from Iowa to Orange County, California when I was 16, I believe, and I loved it. It was actually a really bumpy ride. We went through some turbulence that was kind of scary, but I I still loved it. And I've traveled since, and every time the flying part is actually a, a high point of every trip. I even so much as took a flight lesson where I was kind of like driver's ed for airplanes where I sat in the, I guess, quote, passenger seat of the cockpit and I rode with an actual pilot and I was able to kind of maneuver the airplane a little bit, this little tiny airplane. And it was so much fun, so expensive. I considered maybe taking more lessons and getting a a pilot license, but it was so expensive. And it was actually at the time in my life where I just had quit my first like adult job and I was unemployed. So I was like, that's probably not a good idea to spend hundreds of dollars to get a pilot license that I probably will never use. So did not get it, but I still love flying. With that said, I do know a ton of people who are afraid of flying. In fact, the fear of flying or aviophobia, I may not have pronounced that right, is a specific phobia classified in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So it's a true thing and it's it has many, many sufferers including my mother. (laughs) She is a huge scaredy cat when it comes to flying, does not like it at at all. Over the last couple days, I have been actually looking for a flight. I'm, I'm planning a vacation 
sometime this summer. And as I was going on to all these travel sites, I kept seeing these Boeing 737 alerts. And I had remembered hearing something about how these airplanes had crashed uh, over the last couple months, but I didn't really pay much attention. Again, fear of flying is not something I have. So I, I try to stay away from that information because I really don't want to get that fear because I really like flying. But I thought I kept seeing these alerts, so maybe I should look into it. And I did. And I'm going to explain a little bit. I'm going to give you some background on what this Boeing 737 issue is. And then we'll kind of move on from there to talk more specifically about plane accidents and then going kind of back to should you actually be worried about flying. So first, the Boeing 737, you should know, is the the company Boeing's best-selling airplane. So the Boeing, Boeing company is an American company, and they've been making these Boeing 737 planes since 1967. And there have been 10,000, more than 10,000 of these built in that time frame. And there was actually a report, and this was as of 2006, it said that there were either, there were two of these Boeing 737s either landing or departing somewhere in the world every five seconds. Now that is a crazy number that every five seconds you can, you can, you can know that there are at, there are two of these planes, these specific planes, either landing or departing somewhere in the world. A lot of them, there are a ton of them. And the specific plane that these alerts are about is the Boeing Max 8, which is, it was released in March, 2018. And two of these planes crashed recently. So one was leaving Indonesia in October, and then another was um, in Ethiopia in March of this year. So the one in Indonesia, it crashed into the sea about 13 minutes after takeoff and it killed all 189 people aboard. The one in Ethiopia crashed six minutes after takeoff and killed all 157 people on board. Now, since then, the authorities around the world have grounded these these Boeing 737 MAX 8 planes. There are none of them in the sky, to my knowledge, from what I read. But the question now is, what happened with these planes? Why did these planes crash? And why now have they been grounded? Well, from what the company ex executives have said is that it had something to do with a software problem. And so what I did, I, I did some research. And I watched some videos. Um, specifically, there was one where a pilot was talking about this, and I thought it was really good. And what that pilot s said was that these planes, so these this Max 8 plane, was a attempt by Boeing to make a plane that was better than its previous predecessors, but also staying the same so that pilots would, it would handle very similar to the, to its predecessors and pilots wouldn't really have to learn 
how to fly a totally new plane. And so one of the things with this Max 8 was the company put in bigger engines. And because they put in bigger engines, they had to actually move it. So they they moved the engines on these planes so that they could fit. And by doing this, they, again, I'm not an engineer, so I'm going to be speaking very vaguely, but they changed the dynamics, the aerodynamics of the plane. Well, again, the company didn't want to make pilots relearn how to fly a totally new plane. They actually, from what I've heard, pilots actually like the Boeing 737. They, they like flying them. And so they wanted, Boeing wanted to keep the plane pretty similar. And they installed what's called the Maneuvering Char- Characteristics Augmentation System, or the MCAS, which was essentially meant to prevent the plane from stalling. Now, what stalling is, and you you may have heard this, but stalling is when a plane, essentially the nose of the plane tips up. And when the plane tips up, that can mean that the plane, it can be really bad. The plane could very well um, crash if it stalls. And so when this happens, this MCAS um, system or software is supposed to bring the nose back down automatically. And the the reason why, again, the reason why they put this software in there beca- was because they wanted to make this plane feel like it, the, the older planes, but be better than the older planes. So they installed this and the the pilots... From what I've heard, they only went, they only learn or did about an hour's worth of training on a iPad. Again, it was because this plane was supposed to be the same, you know, as the old ones. Why, why need, why do you need so much training if it's the same kind of plane? Another thing was that Boeing, so this is some, there's some opinions going on and there's a bit of a scandal if you believe this. And again, um, I think some of this is a little bit more in the air, but they're saying that Boeing wanted to keep this plane more similar to, or seemingly similar to its predecessors, so it could get through the FAA certification process a little bit quicker. And so it could get these, these planes out because they were experiencing, the Boeing company, again, an American company, was experiencing some pretty heavy competition from Airbus, which is a European company. So that's why they think Boeing was trying to rush this certification process. But some people now are asking, why did the FAA allow this plane to have this faulty software to be on the market flying people? Well, The first is that it's not good business for a airplane company to make faulty planes. And so there's a little bit of a a philosophy of self-policing when it comes to airplane companies, manufacturing companies. So that's one of the reasons that FAA could just be like, okay, this is this is obviously a fine plane. Why would Boeing make a a less than good plane when it's going to cost them billions if this plane is, turns out to be a dud. So that's one reason. Another reason, and I've mentioned this many times, and I think it's important, is that the Boeing company is an American company. And it is a, I would say, 
a respected company. It's a union company. It provides jobs for people. And some people say that this is another reason why the FAA was more accepting of Boeing's process on trying to get this this new plane in is that they allowed them because they knew that there was a competition from from a European company. I don't know if that's necessarily true. That may not be true, but I have heard it. I have read it. And so I thought it's worth mentioning. Regardless, the nitty gritty of what happened on these flights are saying is that, again, this MCAS um, software it has sensors that that are in the plane that are supposed to be able to determine whether a plane is stalling. And when that happens, the sensors are supposed to notify um, the plane to bring the nose of the plane down. What they're thinking, what experts are saying, is that there some, was something wrong with, with one of the sensors and it made the, the plane tip when it wasn't supposed to and the pilots because they weren't trained well enough or again that's just conjecture but they weren't able to react in in shutting off this automatic mcas system and so that they could ultimately prevent the plane from crashing and so that's what they're saying there's some sort something wrong with this system and what could fix it is an update to that system and then increased training and i for pilots. And I should say that there were reports of more from U.S. based pilots also experiencing something wrong with the system in that the sensors told the plane to dip when it shouldn't have dipped. Fortunately, those pilots were able to shut off this this system and then pilot the plane manually, I guess, and not not and prevent a a crash. So again, these Boeing 737 MAX 8 planes have been grounded, so you don't necessarily have to worry about those right now. But with that said, I know that people are still flying and there are still people who are afraid of flying. And that's why let's let's talk more about that. Let's talk about how many people are actually afraid of flying. I looked on the Internet but I could not find any really good statistics. I found numbers from 25% of Americans down to 6.5% of Americans. I don't know which of those numbers is more accurate. I do know that regardless of those, either you pick either of those numbers and it's going to be millions of people who are afraid of flying. What I find interesting about the fear of flying is that there's not one specific reason why people are afraid of flying. You know, some people are afraid because of just this general sense of not having control. You know, you are on this metal machine flying thousands of feet above ground and you can't even see the person who's driving it, you know, or piloting it. And that's scary. That's scary not having that control. But then there's also the people who just don't know very much about airplanes. They don't know about flying. And so that lack of knowledge, and that's that's also scary, not knowing about what is happening, of all the dings and the, the bumps and stuff. You don't know that. And so that causes anxiety. And then I think not, I don't want to say funny, but a very interesting part of it also, and something that I relate to, is people who are just 
afraid of being afraid. <laughs> so it's people who are are most anxious about possibly having anxiety or possibly having panic attacks while flying. So it's not necessarily, again, and I relate to this so much, not for flying, but for other things in that being afraid of how you're going to react to whatever you're afraid of. So you're in the plane and you're not necessarily so much afraid of the flying, but you're afraid of the anxiety that flying will cause. You're afraid of having that panic attack. So that's it. So that's it's it's really a multifaceted fear that millions of people have. And there is, I guess, a little bit of the media's role in it as well. And you hear this. I know I've heard this before that there is far more dangerous to drive anywhere than it is to fly. But the newspapers and TV networks and everything cover plane crashes far more than they cover car crashes. The Washington Post, in fact, reported that the 992 people who died flying in 2014 received 43% more attention than the 1.24 million ground traffic fatalities that year. So again, the airplane crashes and the airplane deaths receive far more publicity and far more attention than the ground traffic fatalities, even though there are so many more of those than there are plane crashes. And speaking of 2014, that was a rough year for people who were afraid of flying because there were four, at least four, major crashes that took up a lot of airtime globally. They were the Malaysia Airlines Flight 17, the TransAsia Airways Flight 222, and the Air Algeria Flight 5017. And then also um, there was the loss of the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, which Again, that's super mysterious, and I feel like there could be, there have been several podcasts about that. So I'm not going to talk too much about that. Just know that with all these four flights, there were more than 700 people aboard. So let's talk specifically about each one of these flights that were, that crashed. So the first, Malaysia Airlines Flight 17. This flight was going from Netherlands to Malaysia, and most of the people on this flight were actually from the Netherlands. This happened over, sometime it crashed and burned over eastern Ukraine, and they there was an investigation trying to figure out what exactly happened to this, to this plane, and ultimately what was found was that it was shot down by a Russian-made surface-to-air missile. And in this area, the area that the, the plane crashed in, there was fighting going on between Russian, pro-Russian separatists and government forces. And from what I read, there's still a little bit of a mystery of who the culprit was and who actually shot the missile. I'm not entirely sure if they've ever found out who did it, which, which of these sides. And if you know, let me know, because I read it and it seems a little muddled. But that's what happened it, to that specific flight. Everyone died. 
the Trans-Asia Airways Flight 222 crashed into buildings while trying to land in bad weather at the Mungong Airport in Taiwan. And this, if you read about this, this is a pretty, all these crashes are terrible and, and tragedies in, the, in their own right. But this one, if you read the details, so this, this flight, it, the airplane went and flew into a forest or a bunch of trees and then, and then eventually went into this village, this tiny little village. And there were people who were in the airplanes dead on the ground in this village. There were people who actually survived. There were 10 that survived who crawled to these these houses and tried to eventually get help from, from these village people. And it was just, I can't even imagine what kind of scene that was. And, and actually people who were in the village on land actually got hurt as well. So ultimately what they found through the investigation was the captain of this flight did not comply with policies and he appeared to be overconfident in his abilities to to land the plane so that's what happened it seemed as though the the weather was bad and the pilot thought he could land it and ultimately there he probably couldn't see the runway and he skidded off and he realized he was he was too close to the ground far too late that's what happened to that one then the next one was the Air Algeria Flight 5017, and this flight went from Burkina Faso to Algeria, eventually crashing in Mali. And what they found, what happened? So they investigated this this flight, this particular crash, and they found that ice had accumulated over a some sensors and that caused the plane to drop in speed and then actually for the plane to stall and so again i mentioned earlier in this in this podcast that when the plane stalls it's it you apply a pilot can get out of a stall and not and and prevent the the plane from crashing but at the same time it if the pilot can't react fast enough or doesn't react fast enough, the plane can go down. And that seems like what it, it what happened here is that the, the plane, because these sensors were blocked by ice accumulation, that the plane slowed down in speed and then the plane tipped up and went into a stall and then later crashed. And that's what happened to that flight. And then the last flight, a bit of an outlier because there's so much mystery around it, but the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, to this day, no one really knows what happened to it. It went off the radar, and now, and it was never found again. There's been pieces that have kind of, of this plane that have, or at least they think that it's pieces of this plane, have washed up on various, in various beaches, and they at one point thought that maybe it was a mechanical failure, maybe it was a pilot suicide or a hijacking, but the Malaysian government released in July 2018, so after years of investigating, they f- released a report saying a mechanical, a mechanical malfunction was unlikely. Other than that, it is still a mystery Hopefully at some point we can figure that out for the family's sake. 
But as of right now, all the Malaysian government has really said is that they don't think it was some sort of mechanical error. So now that I've gotten you sufficiently scared of flying, <laughs> let's talk about how really truly unlikely it is for you to die in a plane crash. The FAA reported 15.8 million flights in 2017. These flights carried more than 971 million passengers. Now, the National Transportation Safety Board in 2016, this was the most recent report I could find, that there, it reported that there were 1,335 accidents, and of those, 221 were fatal. And those fatal crashes resulted in 408 deaths. So again, there were 15.8 million flights in 2017 with more than 971 million passengers. And the National Transportation Safety Board reported in 2016 there were only 221 crashes that resulted in fatalities and 408 total fatalities. We're talking millions to hundreds here. Furthermore, the National Safety Council has a list, it's a, it's a bit morbid, and they actually admit on their website, like, this is a bit morbid. They have a list of the ways that people can die, which another funny thing I, I thought was that the, the website says you have a one in one chance of dying, which is so true. <laughs> so they do say that on there, but then they list a one in whatever number chance of dying in a particular way. And so just to give you some perspective, so a air and space transport incident, you have a one in 9,821 chance of dying by that, by an air and space transport incident. You have a one in 114 chance of dying in a motor vehicle crash, which again, earlier I said, you, you know, there are far more fatalities and far more accidents when in ground traffic than air traffic. And then just again, kind of the icing on top of the cake, you have a one in 3,461 chance of dying from choking on food. So again, one in 9,821 chance of dying in an air and space transport incident versus a one in 3,461 chance of dying from choking on food you have a greater chance of almost a three times greater chance of dying by choking from food than you do in an airplane accident. That's a reality. But I, again, I know that probably doesn't help the people who are afraid of flying. So I read some quick tips and I think the biggest tip is try to distract yourself when you are flying whether that's reading or talking to a neighbor listening to music do something and then also just do some deep breathing and just try to get into a calm serene place i know it's so much easier again i i know as someone who has anxiety it's so much easier said than done but just try that. Try to get into a place where you're not thinking about being on an airplane. And also, you know, if, if it's a lack of control, lack of knowledge, read up on 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 airplanes. Read about the the 
piloting of airplanes, what goes into piloting an airplane, maybe that could help you. Maybe it won't, but it could be it could be beneficial. So again, do whatever you can to try try to take your mind off of that. But if that doesn't work, you can also try to learn more about airplanes or then another solution, which I don't think you should necessarily rely on too much, but maybe you can also have some alcohol. <laughs> that, that helps too. That's it. That's all I have. So I, I think this episode, I should probably have sufficiently scared you on flying. Then hopefully I brought you back to realizing that flying is actually not nearly as dangerous as other activities you do, like eating or driving a car. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining again. I appreciate every one of your listens. And again, I release a new episode every Monday. Check it out. I don't know. I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I don't know what the next topic will be from one week to the next. So I'm just as interested to see what next week's topic will be because I don't know it yet. Until then, have an awesome week. Keep flying. Adios.